a great delight to be with you. We live in South Wales, which is in the UK, which is about two and a half hours from London. Uh, yeah, go left and you'll get to London if you just keep on the freeway, you know. Um, but we're, we're, we're moving to another part of the country. I'm not going to complicate you with all of that because it's got nothing to do with what's going on in your life right now. But yeah, we're in the UK. We travel as ministries through the UK and particularly to the US and Canada because, you know, the US and Canada needs ministries as well for you and for us in the UK. We're always sending people to Africa. We're always sending people to India and Asia and South America, and that's good, and that's right. But hey, some of our nations need, need ministries to come. We used to send out missionaries. We need missionaries to come to us right now because the gospel needs to be preached. I don't know what it's like here, but the gospel isn't preached in schools anymore. And uh, we, we, we've got to see something change. We've got to see a transformational change. So we travel and we seek to bless and help and serve the body of Christ and, and to empower leadership, to, to strengthen their hands and their arms. Amen? To speak something that will be relevant and in line with what they're teaching. So we praise God that we can be here today. Before we get into the Word, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you that your Word is life-changing. We thank you that you're here right now by the Holy Spirit. And we thank you that we've come today in your divine time. We thank you, Lord, that, that there is a kairos moment. There is a now moment. There's a moment of divine favor where you break into our lives. We thank you, Lord, that you're a God of grace. But there's a moment where there's an extension of powerful grace and, and, and signs and wonders to do what you want to do in our lives. And we thank you that we're in a now moment, Lord. And we pray for everybody that's here this morning that they will have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this day. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, and I'm sure you have, turn with me to Mark chapter 2. I should say iPhones, iPads, whatever device you've got. If you haven't, you can just listen to the Word. Sometimes it's good just to listen. Mark 2, and we'll read from verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them. Not even near the door. I'd like a church service like that, amen. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a lame man who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd... They uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, that's an interesting phrase. When they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the lame man was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why did this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately... When Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to this man, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. 
He said to the lame man, I say to you, arise. There's always a moment when God says, arise. Arise. Take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of the ball. They were all amazed and glorified God saying, we ain't seen anything like this. Jonathan Edwards version. We ain't seen anything like this before. You know, this is a familiar story, a story that we all know very well. And it shows us Jesus as the Savior. But as much as he's the Savior, he's also the healer. He's also the miracle worker who has power. There's only one person who has power this morning. And his name is Jesus. You've sung about him. He has power to forgive sins, and he has power to heal diseases. Amen. Psalm 103 verse 3 says, He forgives all our iniquities, and he heals all our diseases. When Jesus does a work in your life, he always finishes what he starts. What he promises, he always fulfills. And that's what I'm believing for this morning. That's my level of expectation Today, And we see in this story from the man who was healed and walked for the first time to the crowds that were amazed and gathered and pressed into that house where Jesus was. All these events happened because Jesus was in the house. I pray that you'll get a revelation of that this morning because something changes, something shifts, something moves when the Messiah is in the house. Miracles happen when Jesus is in the house. Demons leave and freedom comes when Jesus is in the house. Bondages are broken and breakthrough always comes when Jesus is in the house. Strongholds in your mind are demolished and shattered when Jesus is in the house. And this same Jesus that was in this house 2,000 years ago is the same Jesus that is in this house this morning. Because my Bible tells me and your Bible tells you where two or three, I believe there's more than two or three in the house this morning. Where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst. Jesus is here. And Jesus isn't just a Jesus of yesterday or a Jesus of tomorrow. He's a Jesus of today. Hebrews 13 says Jesus Christ is the same. Everybody say same. same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Problem is lots of Christians talk about a yesterday Jesus or they talk about a tomorrow Jesus. Both are important. Both are relevant. But what about a today Jesus? Today, he can remove fear and give you peace. Today, he can break chains of sin and darkness off your life. Today, he's the miracle in your mess. He's the savior in your storm. He's the mounting mover. When Jesus is in the house, anything and everything is possible. I remember a number of years ago, myself and Anna were in Belfast in a church, similar size to this, and a lady came in. I'd never seen her before. She was sat on the back row. She had arthritis all the way through her body. 
But I'm telling you something, you could see faith in her eyes. Let me tell you, unbelief brings the atmosphere down, but faith causes the spiritual atmosphere to rise. There was faith in the room because that woman was in the room. And every time I looked at her, she was just shouting, saying, Amen, hallelujah, I believe I'm healed in the name of Jesus. You could feel, you could sense, you could smell the faith. That was in the room, in the room. And you know, all the way through the worship, all the way through the announcements, she was just shouting and praising God. Spiritually, you couldn't control her because she was there for a miracle. And you know, at the end of the meeting, the first one to come out when we gave an appeal for healing was that lady, and, and she was walking and struggling to come out, but she was praising God in her pain. Something happens when you do something different to your circumstance. When, when you position yourself in a position of faith, God always honors it. He is a rewarder of faith. She came out. She was praising in her pain, and she came to the front. And, you know, we started praying for her, and the glory of God just hit her body. Every bone that was out of joint just went back into joint, and she left that place completely healed. By the power and by the glory of God. See, the powers of darkness have to retreat when Jesus is in the house. We live on the other side of the cross today. We live in the finished work of Christ. When Jesus said it was finished, it was finished. We take, can take authority over the works of the evil one because Jesus has finished and completed his worth through his death and resurrection. It says in 1 John 3 verse 8, it says, For this purpose, there was a purpose. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, but to destroy. Destroy the works of the evil one. That's the reason Jesus was born. That was the reason he lived and died. Was to totally strip Satan of all power and authority and control over mankind because Jesus today ain't just a king. He's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he is in the house, there's authority in the house. There's power in the, in the house. There's, there's the spirit of God in the house. When he is here by his spirit, miracles happened. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 18, he said, All authority, all power, absolute rule, I think the Amplified Version says, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all power. He has all authority over demons and devils and sickness and disease, over circumstances. Everything is possible. When Jesus is in the house. Let me just give you a few thoughts from this story this morning, this true story. I'd like to give you some truths, maybe some keys. Keys are important. A key might seem so small, but if you use that key in a door, it will open that door and get you into a different destination. You know, if you've come without your keys or lost your keys to, to your car this morning, you ain't going to get home. Keys are relevant. Keys are important. We have the keys of the kingdom. 
that are a revelation truths that, that can be keys that unlock the power of God. And I'd like to give you some keys this morning within the story so that you meet not just with one another, but meet with God. Firstly, we're here to meet with God. Today might be the day when there's a full manifestation of the power of God in your body and you leave this place completely healed. Hallelujah. That is what we're pressing in for. We praise God for every healing. We praise God for every miracle. We praise God for every deliverance. But I believe that the end time church will see a manifestation of signs, wonders, and miracles that will surpass anything that we read in the book of Acts. That's where we're going. Firstly, it says in verse 1, that they heard that Jesus was in the house. You know, hearing many times in Scripture is more important than seeing. Jesus said in the Gospels, he said, take care what you hear. Be careful what you listen to. I remember one preacher saying many years ago, and I haven't forgot it, he said, what you hear is what you see, and what you see is what you do. What you hear is what you see. What you see is what you do. Hear, see, do. Hearing many times in Scripture precedes speaking. You hear it enough and you will eventually see it, have a vision of it, believe it, and become it. That can be positive or it can be negative. Your hearing shapes your expectation and your fruitfulness. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be around people that are con continually speaking negativity and unbelief. I, unbelief brings the atmosphere down. Faith brings the atmosphere up. Amen. Don't you dare tell me what God can't do. <laughs> I want to be around faith people that will tell me and encourage me. And declare to me what God can do. And you know, to hear what, what God is doing and, and to have your faith shaped. We said this yesterday, you've got to hear the right voice. You've got to make sure that the right voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of Scripture, the voice of the Word is, is directing you. That is going to be the primary voice that you hear above every other voice. You've got to hear the Word of God. Hear the Word of God. Speak the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the rhema word of God. God's voice needs to be above every other voice. Maybe you need to make that decision this morning that God's voice, the voice of his word, the voice of the spirit, the voice of the right company. You know, sometimes people are dragged down because they spend time with the wrong company. It says this in the Proverbs, it says... Uh, Bad company corrupts good character. If you want to be brought down, if you want your faith to shrink, just get around the wrong people. That means that you're not to love them, but you've got to be careful who you spend your time with. Because there are voices speaking into your life, and you need to be around men and women of faith. You need to be around this family. You need to hear what God is saying through the people here because iron sharpens iron. When you're down, they bring you up. 
When they're down, you hold them up. We need each other. We need to be a family because we, we, we can't live alone. We were never created to be alone. We're the family of God. We need one another. And as we spend time with each other, we are built up in our faith. And hear the word of God. God's voice needs to be above circumstances. God's voice needs to be above situations. God's voice needs to be above the suddenlies that come into our lives that kind of try and shipwreck us. We've got to make sure that the voice of the word is strong in us. I remember many, many years ago, myself and my brother were going to my grandparents for Sunday lunch. And as we got there, we sat down to have Sunday lunch as we did a few times every month. And as we sat down, my grandfather said grace before we ate because that's what we did. And you know, as we did that, we looked at my grandfather and he, he went really white. And then it looked as if he was having a heart attack and he fell on the floor. What do you do when you face a situation like that? There's not enough time to say, I'm just going to study scripture for a while. I'm going to go into the prayer closet and pray in the spirit. No, there's no time to do that. You've got to be full of the word. You've got to make sure that you've got the armor of God on. You've got to make sure that you've got the sword of the spirit in your hand. And I remember it so clearly, so vividly, even right now. And I was sat there, and my brother was sat there, and my grandmother was there, and my brother started crying, and my, my, my grandmother went to, to grab the phone. She said, I need to ring the ambulance right now. I need to get hold of the doctors. And out of my spirit, hear me now, not out of my mind, out of my spirit, I said, stop. I said, before you pick that phone up, we need to pray. For Dave right now, we need to pray for him right now. And we need to rebuke that spirit of death and we need to command this body to come back to life because the Lord has said to me, it is not his time. You see, you've got to know your time and you've got to know when it's not your time. If it's not your time, you've got days to live and you rebuke that sickness in Jesus' name. If it is your time, nobody can take you. You've got to stand on the authority of the word of God. We got on the floor and we rebuked that spirit of death. We kept praying in the spirit. There was no change. We kept praying and praying and praying. After four minutes, he came round. And we got him up. And I said, what happened? What happened, Grant? What, what went on? He said, he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know what's happened, but I've been to a wonderful place, and I really didn't want to come back. I said, it's not your time to go to that wonderful place. It's not your time for glory. You know, my grandmother said to my grandfather the following day, she said, Dave, she said, I know God did a work in your life, but I need to get you to, to the doctor. I just need to get you making sure you have a, have a checkup and make sure that you're okay. You know, my, my grandfather was, was a coal miner from 14 years of age to 65 years of age. He was strong. He was six foot four. He worked in the mines. Thank you. He worked in the mines. He, he, he used to walk three, four, did, couldn't drive three, four, five miles every day. He was strong. 
my grandmother took him to the, the, the doctors and he hadn't been to the doctors for 10 years. And the doctor did a full examination of my grandfather and he hadn't been there for 10 years and he said, Mr. Edwards, I'm looking at your records right now and you came here 10 years ago. He said, but I don't understand it. He said, you're more healthier today <laughs> than you were 10 years ago. Why? Because when that resurrection life when that power of the Spirit goes through your body, it will renew you and refresh you and revive you and heal you totally. When God does a work, he does a total work of restoration. In your life and in mine, God's voice is speaking this morning. He says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he said, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you. Not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Whatever anybody says to you, you've got a future. You've got hope. Speaking this morning, he's saying, in Exodus 15 verse 26, I am the Lord who heals you. Deuteronomy 7 verse 14, the Lord will take away from you all sickness. So they heard the word. We've got to hear the word. So there was hearing in the house, but secondly, there was hunger and thirst in the house. These people were hungry. These people were thirsty. These people were desperate. It says in verse 2, it says, Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. The crowd pressed into the house. There was hunger, there was thirst for God because people were desperate to meet and encounter Jesus. To me, this is a picture of a move of God. To me, this is a picture of the revival that is breaking out across the face of the earth because the revival is all about Jesus. If you want to know what revival is, if you want to know about what awakening is, it's about falling in love with Jesus all over again. And my prayer is, Lord, send Jesus revivals. Jesus revolutions. So that Jesus will be the center in his church. Because it's not my church, it's not your church, it's his church. And I believe the Spirit of God is saying to every leader and every pastor across the globe right now, Jesus wants his church back. And he wants to build it the way that he wants to build it. There was revival in the house. Because Jesus was in the house. And Jesus always responds to hunger. He always moves where there's hunger. He moves where there's thirst. He moves where there's expectation. Matthew 5 verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Isaiah 44 verse 3 says, For I will pour water, speaking of the Spirit, on him who is thirsty. Floods on the dry ground. Aren't you glad that the Spirit of God comes like a flood, not like a trickle? There's an outpouring of the flood of the Spirit that is, is, is ripe and ready for us as the people of God. And it says, I will pour my Spirit on your descendants. There's a promise for you this morning. If you're hungry, if you're thirsty, you can meet with him. You know, we find where we go, and it's not in this church, but we find Christians with a lack of hunger. 
And I believe one of the signs of the end time church is there will be fresh hunger. There will be fresh thirst. There will be a passion for Jesus again. To meet with God. Where people will do whatever they can to position themselves to meet with God. I remember when I got saved. Gave my life to Jesus. I went to see my mum because I didn't know what else I could get. I said, I've given my life to Jesus. She said, wonderful, praise God. And then she got a little finger. She, I mean, she, she was a powerful woman of God, still is. She said, but have you received the Holy Spirit? I said, how will I know when I receive the Holy Spirit? She said, oh, you'll know. I went to bed that night, stayed up to like 4 o'clock in the morning, just hungry. God loves people that are hungry. There's no move of the Spirit where God's people don't care less what happens. Hey, it's just a service. I'm just filling a seat. I'll come and go as I want. That ain't hunger. I was hungry. I was thirsty for God. I kept on praying and praying and praying, and then all of a sudden, I suddenly came. And my belly got on fire with the Spirit of God, and I started speaking in tongues, and I couldn't stop speaking in tongues. And I must have spoken in tongues till like 6 o'clock in the morning, but I'm telling you something, when I went into work, I was completely different. The Spirit of God always makes a change in your life. I was bold. I was confident. I was in sales and I probably spent more time on the phone telling people about Jesus than selling them products that month. But I look back at how many people I led for Christ because I was on fire. I was hungry for God. I was looking for any opportunity. I mean, people would just get away from me because I just wanted to pray for everybody. Oh, it, it, it's, it's, it's that loony over in the corner. Let me get your hands on you and pray for you in Jesus' name. <laughs> but I saw so many people saved. I saw so many people delivered. I didn't have a lot of knowledge, but I'm telling you something. I had first love. What's the most important? We need to grow. We need to mature. We know knowledge is right, but I'm telling you something. Without first love and hunger for him, we've lost it all. We've got to have hungry. We've got to be hungry. We've got to be thirsty for him. We've got to get back into that place where there's a fire in our belly. When we've got backbone and character to stand up and speak out and say, that's wrong, that's right, in love. This airy-fairy, middle-of-the-road Christianity that is muzzled needs to be removed by a radical voice and a radical group of believers that will carry the fire of God and say, thus is the way of the Lord, walk ye in it. There was hearing in the house. There was hunger in the house. But there was also the word in the house. There's always the word. Where Jesus is, there's always the word because he is the word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He is the word. 
We must be a people of the Spirit, but we must be a people of the Word. Not just corporately. I know that's right, corporately, but what about in our lives? We must put the Word first. We must make the Word final authority over everything because Jesus, it says this in verse 2, it says, He preached the Word to them. He didn't speak somebody else's opinion. He didn't speak speculation. He spoke the word. And because he spoke the word, it was truth. And the truth set that man free. We've got to remember when revival and moves of the spirit fully break, it will bring a revival of the spirit, but it will also bring a revival of the word. Whenever there is a revival of the Spirit, it will always emphasize the Word and truths from the Word. Because yes, we want a revival of the Spirit, but that also has to cause a revival of the Word in our lives as well. I've seen leaders, I've seen churches get off the Word. And every time they've got in danger. Every time I've seen people torn apart because... Truth has been diluted. The word has been changed. Foundational issues and foundational truth haven't been spoken. You can't take the word out of the church. We are built on the foundation of the word. Apostles, prophets, Christ as the, the chief cornerstone of the church. He is the word. We have to stand. The word is our standard. We have to preach holiness. We have to preach righteousness. We have to preach the blood of Jesus. We have to preach what the word of God says. And not negotiate on that. Amen. You've got to believe the word. It says this in Psalm 138 verse 2. It says, he has exalted his word above his name. Psalm 107 verse 20. He sent his word and healed them. The word is eternal. The word is unchangeable. The word is indestructible. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the sword of the Spirit. And we dare not live by anything else. Particularly in the world in which we live, in your workplace, in, in where you go in society, you have to be a man or a woman of God who, who is grounded in the word because Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds. From the mouth of God, if we have the word and the word has us, and that word lives in us and abides us and possesses within us, there's nothing we can't face. There's nothing that we can't conquer. And I know we go through situations in life that are so troubling and so hard and so painful at times. But if you have the word of God, it will get you to the other side. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take courage, I've overcome the world. David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. We will be delivered. We will get to the other side. If God is for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Greater is he that is within you than he that is in the word. If you have the word and the spirit, you've got the greater one living within you. You can overcome. You can conquer. You can live like a victor. Too many people are living like victims. 
This whole victim mentality, poor old me. You're not a victim, you are a victor in Christ Jesus. You have the ability to rule and reign in life. Satan has been stripped of all authority. Jesus has all authority. Therefore, you have all authority. You've got his word. You've got his spirit. You've got the full revelation of scripture. You can stand on the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Trust his word. Speak his word. Stand on the word. Trust the word. The word will never fail you. The word of God will never let you down. It is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's why you've got to know the truth, because it's only when you know the truth that the truth will set you free. This Bible's no good just being on your, your living room table gathering dust. You've got to pick up that Bible and read it every day. You've got to meditate in the Word day and night to be strong and live the way that God wants you to live. You've got to meditate in that Word. You need to be full of that Word. Jesus said this in John 15, verse 7 and 8. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you or live in you. Thank you. You will ask what you desire. Has anybody got desires in this room? You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this way, my Father is glorified. You can ask and receive. But you've got to know what the Word of God says. It's great hearing the pastors and, and the prophets and the teachers declare to you what the Word of God says, but you've got to know it for yourself. There's a verse in Hosea which says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. You've got to get revelation for yourself. The Word of God has got to go from information to revelation. You've got to understand it. Because when you read this book, the light goes on. What might be a darkened area of truth in your heart when you read this word and it comes like a rhema? The light of truth goes on and you're changed from the inside out. Finally, faith made a way where there, were, where there was no way. Faith was one of the keys here that opened the door to the miraculous Unbelief closes the door. It always does. Faith opened the door. In this story, we see four men carrying a lame man to Jesus, and it says that they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd. There was another woman who dealt with the crowd, and she was the woman with the issue of blood. She had to press through the crowd to get to where Jesus was. Listen, there will always be a crowd. There will always be opposition to you receiving from God. It could be the crowd of unbelief. It could be the crowd of, I've been out for prayer so many times. I've been in this church for 13 and a half years. You don't know, John, how many prayer lines I've been in. The crowd that will make you question God. The crowd of fear. The crowd of guilt. The crowd of regrets. Oh, so many Christians who have regret. Listen, in Christ, old things have passed away. Regret causes you, uh, causes you to think, well, I could have, I should have, I would have. 
It's gone. It's over. It might never come back again. You might not have that opportunity again, but God will give you a greater opportunity. Let it go. Just let those things go. And declare today I'm going to be a man or woman of faith. Not fear. They pressed through the crowd. At this point, they didn't give up. They didn't de decide, well, it's another time, let's come back another day. They decided that it was this man's time now. That's what faith does. Faith goes from being hope into being faith. Hope is tomorrow. Faith is now. He determined, they determined to say, it's this man's time now. Why don't you believe according to the word of God that it's your time now? They got on the roof. They removed it. They, they didn't allow anything to stop them getting to Jesus because they knew that God was in the house. Luke also recorded this story and he said that the power of the Lord was present to heal. I believe the power of the Lord is present here today. If the Holy Spirit is here, power is here. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Wherever the Spirit is, there is power. And that power is not to be contained, it's to be released. Therefore, we are believing today that power will be released as we speak and prophesy and that signs and wonders will manifest in your life. That's got to happen if Jesus is in the house and he's here by his Spirit. He's here amongst his people. There was power in the house. There was presence in the house. There was revival in the house. And these men were men of faith and action. And they got their breakthrough. I feel that's a kind of word for somebody this morning. It's time for breakthrough. Your God is a, a breakthrough God. One of the names of God is breakthrough. He is a breakthrough God. It says in verse 4. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed in which the man was lying. And then it says this, and Jesus saw their faith. Jesus is looking for faith this morning. It is impossible to please God without faith. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Your lifestyle has to be a faith lifestyle because we walk by faith and not by sight. So often at times we, we, we play that out in reverse, in reverse order. We live by sight rather than faith, but that ain't the, the kingdom life. We're called to live by faith. Walk by faith. That's a daily walk. We're called to walk by faith and not by sight. They broke through. God wants to find some people that are willing to break through. Expect breakthrough. They removed every obstacle that was standing in their way and they broke through to where Jesus was. I believe that it's time for breakthrough right now. I believe it's time for God to turn around your life right now. You might have been waiting for your time and God says it's your time and it's your turn. You're first in the line this morning, hallelujah. It's your time. It's your turn to receive from God. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
And then he says, arise. Aren't you glad that God arises? Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Arise. Take up your bed. And go to your house. I'm expecting God to arise this morning. I'm expecting breakthrough in this place. But you've got to come in faith. You've got to believe right now you're going to receive. You know, sometimes I've heard the word of God and nothing's happened for a month, six months or a year, but I've stood on the word of God. I believe that I've received. I've taken hold of the promise. I prayed. And according to the word of God, it's mine in Christ Jesus. I've held on to that. We've held on to that. If it's a promise that we know is from God, we haven't wavered. We've stood on the word of God. We believe that we've received. We've prayed with thanksgiving. That's our expression of faith. Once we've prayed and we know God has given us the answer, we just thank him for the manifestation. That's faith. We don't go on how we feel. We don't go on what our body says. We don't go on the state of the nation and recession that's going on. We stand on the word of God because Jehovah Jireh is our provider and so he is for you. You stand on the word of God. Faith is your anchor. Faith is your assurance. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. It moved the heart of God then and it moves the heart of God now. You've got to stand in faith. Have a confession of faith. Well, John, I haven't got great faith. That's okay. I'm going there, brother. Do you want the mic? <laughs> I'll say that again. You might not have great faith. You might not have small faith. Jesus spoke about them both. But you have got a measure of faith. You have a measure of faith in your spirit. You believed on the Lord. You confessed. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. Jesus Christ is Lord and you were saved. You believed. That you, you are believers. You're not doubters. I haven't come to a church that's called doubters this morning. You are a believer. That's what you do. It's automatic. It is your spiritual nature to naturally believe God. Because faith is in your spirit. And when your spirit gets fed with the word of God, there's an explosion, hallelujah. That goes on on the inside. You might not have great faith, you might not have small faith, but you have got faith maybe as small as a mustard seed. Do you know a mustard seed in biblical times was so small that today if you wanted to see that seed, you'd have to get a magnifying glass to see it. It was a speck. It was so small. That faith will move a mountain. Jesus said if you've got faith as small as a mustard seed, that faith shall move the mountain. Release your faith this morning. I remember last year myself and Anna were in a meeting. We go to lots of meetings. And there was a lady that walked in on a walker. And she was there. She sat down and the Holy Spirit said to me, go up to her right now and heal her in Jesus' name. Jesus told us to heal the sick. He said, just go heal her. I want to be extravagant in my grace and power and mercy and love tonight. 
So I went up to her and I, she was sat there. She had a walker at the side. And I said, I believe. I said, I don't know you. I said, but I believe it's your night to be healed tonight. She said, but I can't walk. I said, but God wants you healed. She said, but I can't get out of this chair. She said, I can't walk without that walker. I said, tonight. You see, sometimes when that gift of faith gets on you, you don't look at what you see. You go by the Spirit of God. In one kind of sense, you become immune to, to doubt. You, you, there's a strong faith going on inside you. I said, you're going to walk in Jesus' name. I read her some scriptures. She said, okay, okay, I, I believe. I, we, I got hold of her hand. I think Anna was there as well. Uh, and we lifted her up, and she just started walking around that building and, and left without the walker. That is our Jesus today. Amen. Salvation and healing are in the atonement. By his stripes we are healed. It's part of the finished work of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. It is our inheritance. We've just got to believe it. We've just got to receive it. Everything changes when Jesus is in the house. Miracles happen when Jesus is in the house. Demons have to leave when Jesus is in the house. Breakthrough comes when Jesus is in the house. Salvation is here when Jesus is in the house. But we've got to be able to hear. We've got to be able to hear the word. We've got to have a hunger for God. We've got to make sure that the spirit and the word are first and have priority in our lives. And we've got to be a people of faith. Because God always responds to faith. Let's pray.